TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Coming up later this hour, uh, we have a new commentator being added to the uh, Paris Olympics team for Paris. You don't say. uh, NBC coming up. (laughs) It's not the first name I would have thought of, but Uh nonetheless, uh, we'll get to that coming up a little bit later here. But first, we start with the story out of The Guardian. Um, sneakers worth or not worth $30,000. Yeah. This is a guy who paid an unbelievable amount of money for several pairs of sneakers. There were, uh, there was one pair of Dior X Air Jordans, which were limited in number. Let me see. It's in a different part of the story. I'm trying to find out how many. Oh yeah. A fixed quantity of 8,500 low tops and 4,700 high tops. That's it. That's all they were making of that shoe. So there was one pair of those for $3,800 that he bought from this 17-year-old kid. Uh, Went on to purchase more pairs, three more pairs for $4,800, and $10,000 a piece and paid $2,690 each for three pairs of Air Jordan 1 in, uh, let's see, it says in the bread Chicago and royal color schemes. Sure. I I guess that makes sense to somebody. But in all, it it turned out to be about $30,000 worth of sneakers. See if you can guess where this story's going. They were all counterfeit. So the way that you win the sneakers or the way that you get the sneakers at the time was through a raffle system, which only allowed one pair per customer. But this real estate agent finds this kid who was a teenager at the time, who was now an adult, who claimed at at the time to have a system and connections and you could even claim to like have some computer system that enters the raffle however many times and guarantees based on the odds to win however many pairs of shoes for you whatever it was it was obviously a lie and the real estate agent believed it he claimed we enter raffles all over the world and we'll get you these sneakers and so that's exactly what he did yep um so the sneakers arrived and the guy immediately notices defects and thought they were not authentic. Shockingly, he could not get in touch with this teenager that sold him these shoes. No, (laughs) really, you don't say. (laughs) Well, and the funny part is he was able to get a hold of the dad. So he, uh, he said he got the dad to agree to go with him to a store so that they could have the sneakers authenticated. And they did that, and the guy doing the authenticating said, no, 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 these are fakes. And that's when the father piped up and said, well, they're, they're not an authorized authenticator. Yeah, what's funny to me is that the dad said, this is according to the buyer, the dad said, if they're counterfeit, I'll accept responsibility for uh-huh. this. Which to me would say, 
if my son lied to you about this and you're out 30 grand, I'll, I'll give you the money back. Because this is my kid. And he did offer to give him some money mm-hmm. back. He offered him about $10,000 in return for give, you know, giving back the sneakers and being made whole. <laughs> but it's not really being made whole when you spend almost thirty grand and get only $10,000 in return. So needless to say, the, uh, the guy who bought the sneakers declined the $10,000. But as it turns out, and you're not going to believe this, especially when we tell you why, he probably should have taken the 10 grand. So VCAT is what this is called. This is the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal City Court. We'll call it for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, so he decides to go through VCAT. Um, and uh, the father said if they were, uh, did it, let me scroll down here. Okay, so VCAT member Catherine Metcalf found he was not entitled to a refund given the agreement was made with a 17-year-old who, because he was underage, did not have full capacity to enter into contracts. Yep. She said the buyer was aware at all times that the student was age 17 and even sent him a text in May of 2021 wishing him a belated 18th birthday. (laughs) Because he's 17, he can't legally enter into a contract. And the buyer should have known that. And, and they had proof that he knew. They had proof that he knew the kid was underage. Uh, and the, yeah, the same woman said, had the agreement been entered into when the student was 18 years old, the result might have been different. Um, I, I mean, I, I hate to see it go that way for, uh, you know, a, a uh, oh, what do they call that? A, a technicality that it had nothing to do with whether this guy was scammed. He was. And and as I you know alluded to on our thread this morning, if you're going to go out and and drop thirty thousand dollars on a few pairs of sneakers, you probably need to re-examine your priorities anyway. Yeah. But I hate to see him be the victim of a scam over something like this. I I, I guess my uh, version of caveat emptor in this would be if you're going to do that and you're going to spend that kind of money. Look, it's his money. If he wants to spend it on sneakers, spend it on sneakers. Uh huh. But know what you're doing. How how could you now? I guess he ordered them. How do you buy something like that sight unseen for that amount of money? I I I have I don't know. Um, it, it that's the fact that you would spend that much on shoes in the first place is ridiculous to me. But whatever. Yeah. My question is, and I know this was in Australia. This wasn't here, so maybe the rules are different. Um, what part of this made this a contract? Does it mean that if you're 16 years old, you can't sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace? Does it mean that you can't sell stuff? Is that a contract? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I think um, it it may very well be. I'd need somebody who knows a lot more about contract law than I do to answer that definitively. But I think the the fact that they they made a deal for something that wasn't on the table at the time. You know what I mean? It, he contracted this kid. Go okay. out and go out and get these sneakers, and I'll pay you this much for them. And then bought additional pairs based on what this kid said that he had available. I don't know what makes that a contract versus what makes something an in-person sale. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I would love to know the difference. And again, I know we're not talking about U.S. court, but what was it? Because there was something in writing and signed. I mean, what was? And then what counts as in writing? Because I, you can picture this happening all the time here. Well, sure, and, and contracts don't necessarily have to be in writing either. They're verbal con- verbal contracts are enforceable, but you have to have proof that you made a verbal contract, um, and that's not always the easiest thing in the world to do. So, 
I mean, either way, this guy's out thirty grand. He's got a bunch of you know counterfeit sneakers to show for it. And this, it's why I always say, if you're going to get into something like that, you've got to be able to tell the difference. You've got to know what you're doing because it's so easy to get scammed on anything like that. I mean, if if we knew the amount and the spread of counterfeit that's out there, and when I say spread, I mean the number of different things that are out there that are counterfeit. I mean, it, it blows me away sometimes that people spend that much effort uh, because you'll see, um, you know, again, you go back to Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever and look up a high-end purse. You'll find one. You'll find oh, a $30,000 yeah. purse that somebody's selling for a grand. Guess what? It's a phony. Yeah. What's interesting, too, is that the this buyer then tried to go after the father yeah. for the full thirty grand, saying, listen, you volunteered at what you, you basically said that because this is my son and I'm his legal guardian, you know, I'm going to pay you the 30,000 if these turn out to be counterfeit. And so he tried to go to the court and say, well, then I want the dad to be responsible for the 30,000 because he's the legal guardian. And the judge in this case said, just because the dad tried to resolve the matter, that's not the same thing as accepting responsibility for the whole thing. Yeah, and you didn't make a contract with the dad. You made a contract right. with the kid, and that contract was invalid. So you're entitled to exactly squat. And you should have taken the ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, dummy. but he didn't know, and and I, you know, I I don't know that I would have known that 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 what they had was constituted a verbal contract, and so he would be entitled to absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, you just have to be careful and recognize that high-end things like that, and this is, it, it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but if you're going to go into a market like that, whether it's for watches or purses or sneakers or anything like that, the reason they pay those incredible or charge those incredible outrageous prices for that stuff to begin with is because when they leave the factory, those things are perfect. And if you can see anything that looks like a small flaw in something mm -hmm. that's supposed to be high-end like that, it's a phony. What do you do now with not $33,000 worth of sneakers that you're now just stuck with? <laughs> yeah. I mean, does he try to flip them, you know, try to scam somebody else out of them? It wouldn't <laughs> surprise. I mean, people are horrible, especially when they feel yeah. like they've been wronged, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's not what he does. I don't know what you do with them at this point. But, um, but yeah, I would just be curious about kids that can sell stuff online here yeah let me let me go off on something here real quick for just a minute because um there are people and i know this because i've run into them who make phonies um whatever it happens to be like i said watches are out there a lot where i see it of course is with guitars and if you open facebook marketplace on any given day i can find you a half a dozen fakes that are out there mm -hmm. and i can tell by looking at them but that's the thing i can tell by looking at them because i know what i'm doing and it's it took years and talking to a lot of experts to get this this level of expertise but there are guys out there who will take a cheap guitar and put a fender logo on it or put a gibson logo on it you know, just a, a like a water slide decal like you use on on models. And they do it and they justify it by saying, well, when I sell it, I'll tell the guy that it's not a real one. I'll tell him it's a Chinese fake or I'll tell him it's one that I made myself. Yeah, that's fine for that transaction. But what do you know about what he's going to do with it? Oh, uh, like, will he tell the next person if he right. sells it that yeah. it's not? Real. If, if you're selling it cheap to him on the basis that it's a fake, 
then what's to keep him from turning around and flipping it as though it's real and hoping for some schlub to come along who doesn't know what he's doing who's going to buy a phony guitar from him? And that's why even making those fakes is illegal. I've said before, I know of one that's for sale right now from a store here in town that is 100% a phony. And... And they sell it anyway. And they, yeah, it's it's for sale as we speak. I could, if wow. I wanted to spend money on a phony, I could drive up the street and go buy the thing. And it galls me. And they're not even they they don't know that it's a fake, or they probably don't know. And if they do, they don't care. But they're just waiting for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to go in and drop seven hundred bucks on that thing, and they're going to end up with something that's worthless. Who does one call then? Who's the authority that you call if you wanted to rat them out? Yeah. Who do you rat them out to? Because I kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and that's the I mean, I guess the answer would be the uh, Consumer Protection Division of the Attorney General's office. Which you know a thing or two about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seeing yeah. as my wife worked in that capacity yeah. for about 15 years. Right. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. If you, we have the scam conversation a lot, but I think it's worthy of having because there's so much money at stake. Yeah. If you have thoughts on it, 913-586-7798. We'll take a break. We'll get to more of your comments next on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Okay, I'm going to be honest. The story that you found this morning out of NPR about if you're checking your 2024 horoscope <laughs> and your sign might have changed, uh-huh. I'm, I'm a middle-of-the-road Capricorn, okay? And so I read this story, and I don't, I, I thought it's sometimes the dates are the dates shift a little bit. Yep. I don't get it. I don't know if my sign changed and if it changed, I don't know why they all did. And that was the, the point that she was making is they've all changed almost by an entire month that uh, I mean, even mine, I'm September 15th. So I'm kind of toward the end of Virgo. I'm like mm-hmm. a week away from the end of Virgo. And yet by the actual sun sign, which is when the sun and your astrological uh the the constellation that your astrological sign is drawn from when they're in line with each other um so mine would have gone back to leo which is the one before <laughs> me leo is august okay so or are mostly we looking august. at the chart in the story yes yeah. that's what okay is that what we're going on so it's cut off on the sides oh okay um, and so i can't i can't tell exactly yeah. Well, the, the case that she's making is that they so it all has to do with what your perspective is from here on Earth. Um, it's also noted. I don't know if they noted it in this story, but it's the same kind of thing that, that the celestial bodies drift over time. And if you look at the way that the pyramids in Giza are set up, they're set up in line with Orion's belt except they're not anymore because they were built something like 12,000 years ago. The three stars that make up Orion's belt are in motion against each other. So it doesn't really line up anymore, but it did at the time. So it's kind of the same thing where uh, the axis, the Earth's axis doesn't stay put. It wobbles a little bit in a kind of a circular motion. And Uh that here we are thousands of years after the astrological symbols were initially set down and that circle has drifted to the other side now. So it it screws up our perspective of where the sun is in the sky versus the astrological uh, signs, you know, versus those constellations. Okay. Here's 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 what I'm taking from this is that it you are you're right. You just flipped it by six months. So you yep. are whatever is six months away from you is what you are now. And so I just put into Google. Capricorn versus Cancer, which is the one that would be six months later for me. And everything that you read about it says they are complete opposites. 
<laughs> well, so which is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that also has to do with the fact that astrology is bunk. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's. I'll tell you what. If you are a believer, like if yours is really, really true, it's going to get it right some of the time. You know, I mean, there are a lot of people oh, in the yeah. world. Well, the, Some of this, it's going to get right. All the stuff that's in those, in, you know, your daily horoscope or in your horoscope and your chart, whatever, when somebody does a chart for you, all of those things are so general and so vague that they kind of apply to everybody. Somebody just said you're still in Aries. Okay, where's... No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Libra now. Congratulations, you're a Libra. I don't think... Th I don't... I, I don't think you're right. Aries is April, and so now you're October, and you're Libra now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so no. they're, they're showing, yeah, because I, uh, like I said, I'm kind of toward the end of Virgo, but, uh, yeah, now they're saying it's uh, it's Leo where I'm supposed to be. So, yeah, it, it depends on where you are that it flipped by some, but um, they also go into retrograde and all of the different things that, that change over time um you know where the planets are because they we don't spin around the sun at the same rate you know okay. it's it's regular but uh it also tends to you know it, it tends to drift over time so it's just a matter of looking at astrology and saying you know what if it really had any bearing then you would have known the entire time that you weren't a virgo or that you weren't a leo or you weren't a sagittarius or whatever right you would have said the whole time this in no way defines me yeah and you would have said, there's no way that this can be right. I'm one of those people where mine's some right. For a lot of us, it's some right. The, the personality traits get there some. Uh, right. But not, yeah. you know, I only care this time of year because this is Capricorn time. But uh, And so I follow it on Instagram and just laugh at things when all the humor comes up. But that's, but then I look at, I, so then I look at the cancer and I'm like, oh, well, that's sort of right too, though. A little bit. Not the first one I would have picked out, but. Okay. Does that mean that the age of Aquarius wasn't really the age of Aquarius? Because if so, they're going to have to rewrite that whole musical. Now, so now I'm looking, I need, I shouldn't have looked at this. Now I'm looking at all the opposites of like people I know <laughs> that were, because, because some signs have very strong personality. Like you definitely know, like you definitely know that a, that a Pisces is sort of a softer touch is just kind of more emotional and softer. And Scorpios are supposed to be more passionate and, and, outgoing and big and so now i'm looking at like what the opposites of some of these are and like leo is kind of the same way kind of like a scorpio like kind of big personality and you can't just can't just be the opposite huh i we, told you we go back to, we go back to where i started astrology is bunk so. thank goodness <laughs> thank, thank goodness like it's it's only like it's fascinating a little bit but as much as like, if you look up the animal that you are and the Chinese chart and you know, what Enneagram you are and. I'm trying to remember which animal Briggs I Meyer. am. It, it, it's not one of the flattering ones. Um, I'm a goat. Are you? Let's see, yep. Chinese Zodiac. And it goes by year, right? Yeah. Okay. Which like, we're not all born in, in one year gonna have the same personality traits. Oh, but yeah, that's right. I'm the rooster. I forgot because of what they used to call that on the Chinese menus. <laughs> it was it was a different word for rooster, and my sister thought that was hilarious. Oh, I can't find it now. Um, do, 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 do. Well, of course I found a chart that doesn't go back far enough. Oh, well, it should keep going. Yeah, I'm a goat. I was right. Okay. Um, Colin, what are you? Do you know any of this? Do you know any of these of what you are? Yeah, I'm a Scorpio, and I oh. was born in the year of the rabbit. Ooh. Okay. So you get to be a cute little bunny rabbit. I got, I'm yeah, a but rooster. my sister got a dragon. 
I am, what? I want to be a dragon. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, all I do is annoy people in the morning. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, if you want to read the NPR story, maybe you'll understand it more than I did. But I just think it's funny that they're all just the opposite of what they used to be until now. And mm-hmm. so everything you knew was wrong. All right, coming up, we'll tell you who's going to join NBC's coverage of the Paris Olympics. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What happened to my radio? Somebody's wondering. <laughs> <laughs> what, what station did I turn this to? NBC Sports, apparently. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Snoop Dogg is going to be uh, on site in Paris to provide regular reports at the July Olympic Games. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Let's see. So what, what events would Snoop likely be there to comment upon um summer games yeah because i was figuring if there was a winter games that's easy he's out there for snowboard half pipe and that's about it you know (laughs) uh sean white man again so yeah i I have no idea uh summer olympics what is is there skateboarding maybe in the summer olympics i can't even remember what the summer olympic here we go it's mostly just track and field stuff but I'll send you the list because I needed kind of a refresher here um, of what some of the well, there, we're talking about. There was that picture of uh, Michael Phelps hitting a bong at a college dorm party. I remember <laughs> that. So, yeah, maybe they're uh, swimming a little bit. <laughs> so I'm on the Olympics.com. And what I love about this, you could just Google, like, what are the what are the games at the Olympics? Yeah. And if you it's a very rudimentary looking list. And if you just put your cursor over each of these, this must be um, if you can't read like for non-English speakers, you can click, you can just run your um, cursor over it and it gives you a little diagram of what the event is. Oh, okay. On the side. It's very funny because it's all in black and white. Um, Let's see. Artistic gymnastics. (laughs) You could do, what is breaking? I have no idea. Breaking is an Olympic event. Oh, you click on it, it gives you the whole history of it. Oh, it's also known as break dancing. Okay. No, oh, no. yeah. Like break into electric boogaloo. Okay. I, I didn't know that was in the events. I remember ballroom dancing 
was added back in the 90s. I don't know if it stayed, and it was not a judged event. It was just like you got to go do that at the Olympics, but you couldn't win a medal in it or anything. It's not on It's not on here. No more ballroom um, dancing. Oh, well. No. What else do we think? Um, sport climbing, surfing. I could see him doing surfing. <laughs> Someone asked, have you not seen him commentating the equestrian event? It's hilarious. No, I have not, but I can tell you what I'm going to be hitting up on YouTube as soon as we're done here today. We're, we're, we're going to see if we can find some of it. Yeah, Colin's on the yeah, case. Colin's He's looking, looking for us. Um, he also apparently did some stuff with Kevin Hart a few years ago that uh, Colin said was really good. Oh, that's um, cool. Like wrestling, I could see him do. <laughs> um, karate. So uh, let's see. The suggestions we're getting off the text line are skateboarding, <laughs> beach volleyball, uh, and yes, apparently he loves the equestrian one with the horses. So uh, okay. I, I, I would love to know like his level of expertise because it, the, in the movie uh, Best in Show, which was the the movie that kind of parodied dog shows. Okay. They had it yeah. set up where uh, I think it was Fred Willard that was playing the part that Joe Garagiola played during Westminster for years and years. He was the sports figure that they got there as a commentator just because he was a big name that everybody would know, but he had uh -huh. no idea what he was doing. You know, so I could see Snoop out there going, "Why are they wearing those shoes, man?" Just you know, having yeah. something that had nothing to do with the sport itself and being that guy. He just needs to be funny. Yes. He just needs to be on the ball with it. And, and be witty about it. Yep. Um, like badminton. Like, don't do anything major. Do, because I, the goal here, if there is a goal, is to get attention, I'm sure, on events that don't normally get the attention. Yeah. Bring ratings up during events that don't people don't normally watch. So what's the over-under on subtle pot jokes he's going to throw <laughs> into his commentary? Is it going to be like 20, 25 during the Olympics or more? I mean, they've got to know what they're getting, right? <laughs> yes. You hired Snoop Dogg. You don't do that without knowing exactly what you're getting yourself into. Right. Um, I mean, I think the breaking, the break dancing would be fun for him. I think you just got a delivery. <laughs> Can you hear? I don't know. <laughs> so it, I need to turn it off. Um, yes, my mom has warned me that many packages are coming for me. Okay. And she was like, something might come Wednesday, something might come Thursday, something might. And so, yes, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it, it delightfully just goes off every time something arrives. And it's always during the show. Um, boy, there's some different events for Paris versus some of the others. Because I just hit, I just changed it, and some of these events changed. Huh. All right. It'll be interesting, if nothing else. Do yeah. we have any... Uh, any audio? No, I know it's hard to find. I don't think that the FCC would be. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, because he was he was doing it probably online, not yeah. on TV. So, yeah, no, that's rough. Well, yeah, that's it will makes you wonder, too, how many people are going to watch just to see if Snoop screws up and drops an F-bomb during the Olympics? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's just an interesting move. I, I don't know how much it'll drive up ratings, but it'll be entertaining. It's the kind of thing that you'll see clips of the next day. Yeah. You know, like you do with late night. Like, what were, what were the best clips of Snoop Dogg the night before? Okay, here we go. This is the text of the day. LOL, get Snoop for commentary, but keep stripping athletes of their medals for weed. Yes! Oh, that's awesome. Uh -huh. Thank you for that. Oh, you're right. Total hypocrisy. But, I mean, that's NBC versus the IOC, granted. But still, it's not a great look when they are taking medals away for people who smoke pot. And you've got one of the most notorious pot smokers in the world out there doing your commentary on NBC Sports. Uh, News release said he will also explore the city's iconic landmarks, attend Olympic competitions and events, and visit with athletes, their friends, and their families. 
Snoop. So he's going to interview people. Snoop at the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> Snoop yeah. at Notre Dame. Um, oh, yeah. I can, I can see that being a lot of fun. Uh, he said, we're going to have some amazing competitions. And, of course, I'll be bringing that Snoop style to the mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. What are the pop okay. laws in France like? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Is it still illegal there? or I think it is still legal there. Okay. Anybody told him? I don't know. Anybody I, let I, him know? I have a feeling he's going to be packing anyway. Before he agreed uh, to sign on. All right. Um, let's talk about this Mickey Mouse horror film here really quickly, <laughs> as long as we're talking about entertainment. So something just changed, right, with the copyright? Yeah. The the very first iteration of Mickey Mouse, which was the Steamboat Willie cartoon, he looked a little different. His nose was a little longer. Uh, there was a little bit more of a black contour on his face. It's not the the classic Mickey Mouse that you think of now. It's close to that, but it's, uh, I mean, like all of them, if you look at the early Bugs Bunny cartoons, he didn't look like Bugs Bunny. And that that original uh, iteration of Mickey Mouse is now 100 years old, which means the copyright expired on yesterday, January 1st. Um, and th- Disney screwed up, and I don't remember exactly the ins and outs of the story, but they had a chance to re-up the copyright and didn't do it. So, so yeah, right. So it expired, and that Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse is now public domain. Anybody can use that for anything. And in the same way that we saw a couple of years ago with Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, there will, in fact, be a Mickey Mouse-themed horror movie hitting the big screens in the not-too-distant future. Okay. Um, what do we know about it? It's not much. I've seen one of the trailers for it, and it's it's a guy wearing a mask that 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 is that Mickey Mouse mask. Um, it's a slasher film, a, a masked killer dressed as Mickey Mouse. Oh, it was released on the first of January. I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, I thought it was still coming, but uh, there's a a new Mickey Mouse inspired horror game that shows the rodent covered in blood stains that also dropped on January first, and. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing Disney can do about it, which is, I'm sure, why people are doing it. Even the guy who directed the movie said it's schlock horror. You know, it, this is not right. a deep movie. It's a slasher film about a knife-wielding murderer in a Mickey Mouse costume, so don't expect a whole lot out of it. And then we'll see what comes after that. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny. The BBC story takes us through some of what we've talked about already. When Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain, yep. we had Blood and Honey which was one of last year's worst-rated films. Right. Shocking. Um, the rights to characters can be held for 95 years. And, yeah, it was 2020, or it was 1928 when Steamboat Willie uh, first dropped. And so, yeah, that, that copyright is now done with. The best comment I saw online this morning was that the producers of the movie missed a boat because they didn't call it Screamboat Willie, <laughs> which, which would have been <laughs> okay. kind of fantastic, but they missed a bet on that one. What's this one called? Mickey Mouse? Uh, Mickey, Mickey's Mouse Trap? Yes. Okay, that's kind of funny. It's okay. But Screamboat Willie you know. would have been awesome, though. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see what else comes out uh, with Mickey Mouse now that they can. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, Vox.com, as we switch gears here, had this next story. And it went, uh, it was a very lengthy essay addressing all of the problems in society that we really treat as a public health crisis or just as a crisis in general to people's health. And it talks about drug overdoses and guns and car accidents and, and all of these things that gaming, I mean, all these addictions that we now take really seriously. 
And the story highlights a lot of the numbers associated with alcohol overuse, not alcoholism necessarily, but and not even alcohol abuse, but just the overuse of alcohol. And all these figures that show how bad of a problem that is, and yet asks, they say, why is it so undertreated? And, and it also asks, why don't we take it more seriously like some of the other crises that we really talk a lot about? Yeah, and there's a lot of different possible answers to that. I think the easiest one to point to is that it's been legal for so long. Even, I mean, when we're talking about pot laws changing over the last 15 years, that's 15 years. Alcohol uh, has been what legal now since 1933. So, and it was that's before right, yeah. that too, before, uh, was 1920, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was prohibition only lasted about 13 years. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been part of life for so long. And it's the kind of thing that we all know, it's not great for you. But we don't think about it. When we think about alcohol and death together, it's uh -huh. either a hazing incident at a fraternity where somebody drank eight bottles of vodka over the course of an evening, or it's drunk driving. It's car right. accidents. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think there's a vague, ambiguous area for a lot of people about what defines an alcohol problem. Yeah. At, at what point, and, and usually you know in yourself, I mean, this is why, and this is the time of year to do this, but this is why you hear a lot of people say they quit or they decided to pull back because it didn't make them feel good or whatever the reason is. But for people who don't have negative physical reactions or who can deal with the hangover and don't care, I think we don't know how to define what alcohol overuse is. We know what doctors tell us is too much for our heart health, but, but, for people who just drink on a regular basis, at what point does that person have a problem? Yeah, and I think that that makes it easy, too. If you're telling yourself, okay, it's not a problem in any of these other ways. And alcohol overuse, if it becomes a health problem, generally becomes a health problem over a long period of time. It's not something that crops up overnight. So that's there are a lot of ways to talk yourself out of having a problem. Yeah, if a person drinks every day and is hungover every morning, but it's not affecting their social life or their work life or their health otherwise, do they have a problem? Sure. And and it's easy for that guy to say, Well, I, I've never been dinged at work. My my work product is fine. I don't right. I don't not go. I may not be in the best shape for the first couple of hours, but I, I show up at work every day, so I don't have a problem. Usually what people tell you is as long as they know that they can quit at any time. Yeah. That's how a lot of people define it. They say, well, you know, if I could quit tomorrow and it's no big deal. If if they would have a problem with that, or if you said, hey, could you give it up for a month? Would that be a big deal? If they struggle with that, then that's how you know sometimes that it's a problem. But a lot of people will tell you, I drink that much because it's fun, because it's part of my social life. It's not affecting any other area of my life. So why should I quit? Right. I don't have a good answer to that except that it sounds like not a great thing to do. Right, and and it isn't necessarily a light switch either. You know, it, it's it's one thing. I mean, I know what they were talking about in this article was the uh, sober January, like yeah. you were mentioning, that a lot of people yeah. just take, that's their resolution, is that I'm going to go the entire month of January without having a drink. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be that for you to just cut back. And to feel better. I mean, this is the other thing you hear a lot about, um, 
particularly like on Instagram is big for this and TikTok is big for this, is the people that will say, here's how much better I feel. Yeah. Like I, I cut back to, you know, two drinks a week instead of whatever, right? Or I gave up for a month and here's how much better my body feels from not, from not doing that. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. You're putting a poison in your body. Right. It makes sense that you're going to feel better if you're not putting that poison in your body. Well, they, and there's another thing that um, I, I wonder if they don't go hand in hand because they mention a couple of drugs in this article. Um, I'm going to read this to you verbatim because this is the first time I've ever heard this. But they said rumblings of Ozempic's apparent off-label ability to curb alcohol cravings as well as overeating have put the spotlight back on the power of medical intervention with the help of a prescription. That may be true. I don't know anything about that. Like I said, this is the first time I've heard that alcohol makes you crave alcohol less, or or Mm -hmm. that Ozempic does, rather. That Ozempic makes you crave alcohol less. Maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. It's all anecdotal. There's been no study on it that I'm aware of. However, what I can tell you from personal experience, when you put this in the perspective of how many people are on them, can be a really scary thing, is that um, how many people do you think are on antidepressants? A quarter of the population? Right. Well, what's alcohol? It's a depressant. An antidepressant, yeah. It's a depressant. Or or depressant, excuse me. Right. So if you're taking an antidepressant and drinking alcohol, that that antidepressant has the potential to lower the effects that that alcohol has on you. So you may find yourself drinking more just because it didn't make you feel like you wanted to feel yet. And all of a sudden you're drinking three times as much as you used to because you don't realize that the antidepressant is curbing its effect on you. Gosh, and there are so many antidepressants while you say that, that specific, and I don't, I don't know the terms well enough, but there's a particular, is it benzodiazepines? There's a particular category of antidepressant that you cannot drink alcohol. I mean, oh, really? it's okay. within, and some, somebody will know better than I do, but I think it's like even 36 hours within taking it, if you drink alcohol, it will amplify the effect of the drug. Oh, no kidding. It goes the other way. It actually yeah. makes it affect you more. And so, and, and there are some that I know that it'll like seriously knock you out. Like if you drink while taking this antidepressant, it will, it'll knock you out. Like you can't, you can't function. Somebody asked something on the text line and I, I, I don't want to jump into this as though I know the answer because I absolutely do not, but I've heard this before and I do not know how it can be true. Somebody asked, doesn't alcohol turn into sugar in your body too, or at least has very, uh, or at least has a lot of sugar in it. So wouldn't the insulin drug help regulate that and maybe crave it less? That's possible. I've heard that before about alcohol turning to sugar in your body. I don't think that's true. I think that's a very, very popular myth Um, because what, what happens to whatever it is, whatever grain that you're fermenting, during the fermentation process, that's exactly what those, uh, you know, what, what those, uh, whatever they are, those microscopic organisms are doing when they digest that stuff is they're breaking the sugar apart. So ideally, once you were done converting all of that to alcohol, there wouldn't be any sugar left in it. It is a myth that alcohol metabolizes. I into thought sugar. so. It doesn't. I've got multiple sources in front of me that says that. Thank you. Yeah, because like I said, I don't see how it could. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I always was kind of dubious on that one. I, thank you for the for the backup that that's not mm-hmm. true. Initially, alcohol raises blood sugar levels, but after the body processes the alcohol, blood sugar levels drop dramatically. Okay. Yeah. At no stage of being broken down does it turn into sugar. 
Uh, and wine and beer are different, I guess, because they contain a little more sugar in them. Yeah, right, because does. it's not fully fermented. But if you're drinking <laughs> right. a liquor, it should be. Uh, if you have thoughts, 913-586-7798. Uh, still to come before we wrap it up today, we have passengers that were trying to play a little bit of time zone hopscotch and tried to play it so they could do a little time traveling over New Year's Eve. Delays. Totally goofed that. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. It was a really great plan for passengers on United Airlines Flight 200 who wanted to experience the new year twice and wanted to go back in time to be able to do it a second time. Unfortunately, this is the world we live in with flight delays. And so their whole plan was goofed because of a delay. <laughs> yeah, they were they were trying to get from Guam across the international dateline back to Hawaii so that they could have uh, you know the New Year's Eve in Guam. And then they were going to leave at like one o'clock in the afternoon Guam time and head to Hawaii where it would then when they landed hours later, it would be six o'clock in the evening New Year's Eve. Right. Because you gain the time having just done this. You gain two days going east. Yes. You gain the time going east. You right. lose the time going west. You gain it going east. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were supposed to depart Guam at 7.35 a.m. on January 1st, land in Honolulu 13 hours before they left, basically. <laughs> which which is, gets weird. Which is, by the way, a really long flight, too. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the flight was delayed and didn't leave Guam until 1.49 p.m. January 1st and arrived in Honolulu 34 minutes after the stroke of midnight on oh, January 1st. They, they missed it by 35 minutes. They just missed. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, and, and they made reference in the article to a bunch of, like, different companies that allow you to hop because yeah. really all you need to do is go back one time zone. You right. know, if, if you can do that, then, you know, and land within an hour, then you could have another New Year's Eve. So they just keep going from time zone to time zone until they finally cross the international dateline for the last one. Wow. Yeah, they've got a list of other flights where this worked. Um, there was a Cathay Pacific flight that departed Hong Kong just past 1 a.m. on January 1st and arrived in San Francisco at 8.22 p.m. on New Year's Eve. So they were able to do it twice. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of these. Tokyo to Los Angeles did the same thing. This makes my brain hurt, and I could never do this on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be right. Like by accident, you book it and then go, wait a minute. How am I landing the day before I take off? Um, yeah, somebody on the text line said, it's a fun idea. Hats off to them for trying. I wonder, though, did I mean, because Hawaii is not right next to that split, right? It's uh -uh. it's a ways in. Uh, yeah. It's like right in the middle of, of one of the time zones. So... I mean, when they crossed the international dateline, it, they still would have gone back that day. They should have done something on the plane. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. they should have had some kind of yeah. champagne celebration or something like that on the plane since they knew that's why most of those people were going to be taking that flight anyway. Yeah, I wonder how many people just did it on accident. Yeah. I don't know how popular the flight from Guam to Hawaii is. Yeah, no kidding. Where else are you going to go from Guam? I don't have a map in front of me, but yeah, <laughs> there probably aren't a lot of a lot of stops. Samoa. It's funny. I was just looking at there was a map that just showed up. I guess the international dateline runs directly between. It's it's called Tomorrow Island and Yesterday Island, the Russian Island and the yes. Aleutian Island that are right next to each other. I guess I should have known. I didn't know the international dateline runs right between them, and they're three miles apart, but they're 
how many hours that is apart because of it being right because right that, between because that's why Alaska gets to be the furthest east and the furthest west, farthest west and farthest right. east state in the union. Right. All right. Real quick, we had uh, twin babies, one born in each year. We did. And every year this happens, and every year they make a big deal out of it. This time, New Jersey, Eastern time zone, so it didn't even take long. Uh, once the uh, once the split hit the United States for this to happen, uh, you had a, a couple that was set to give birth, and sure enough, she went into labor at exactly the right time. So at Voorhees Hospital in New Jersey, in the town of Voorhees, New Jersey, Eve and Billy Humphrey of Merchantville, uh, were the proud parents and are the proud parents now of a baby that was born on December 31st, whose twin was born on January 1st of 2024. They were born about 40 minutes apart. One was born 10 minutes before midnight, and the other one was born at 1230 in the morning on New Year's Day. She wasn't due till the end of January. So <laughs> this was not expected. <laughs> I mean, twins come early a lot of time, but um, this was not this was not planned. Yep. For she this said, to have happened this she said, I was still pushing when everybody's doing the countdown and we all just said, happy new year in the middle of me trying to push out baby <laughs> B. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> That's a turn of okay. phrase for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Well, we'll end it with that then. I'll turn this over to Dana Parks. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day back tomorrow here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.